Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies for building happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about the idea of having a life story conversation, and we'll tackle one of the biggest happiness stumbling blocks out there. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister and my fellow travel beast, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretchen, we are not alone. Apparently, many of our listeners are also (laughs) fellow travel beasts, and we've heard from many of you, and many of them luckily are reformed travel beasts and have great suggestions. Yes, Uh, One was make packing lists. This came from a lot of people. And I have to say, I finally did make a couple packing lists. Um, uh, One was TSA PreCheck, which we've talked about before, getting global entry or TSA PreCheck. That is huge. Have you done that yet? Yes, I do. And it actually has helped um, a lot. So that, that, that is good. Yeah. I tell everybody to get that. Uh, one is the charger that you just keep in your bag, so you you always have a charger. Yeah, and then um, we had a great idea from Mike in Kansas City. We always love hearing from people in Kansas City <laughs> to keep a dop kit or your you know toiletry bag with everything you need every day, always ready. So when you're packing up, you just put that in, yeah, as opposed to having to fill it for each trip, which I think is a great idea. Uh, here was a very imaginative uh, idea that came from Nicole. Uh, she says, when I'm going on vacation, I tell myself that I'm a different person. The minute I put my bags in the car, I'm vacation, Nicole. And I don't have to worry about things I would normally stress about because I'm on vacation. And vacation, Nicole, <laughs> loves vacation and always feels relaxed. I'm going to try that. Gr- vacation, Gretchen. <laughs> I think that could help me because reframing is always helpful to me. Yeah. Um, And Gretchen, this suggestion came from Kelly. She says, I like to get to the airport quite a bit earlier than my husband. So a few years ago, we decided to designate his and her trips. If it is if it's his trip, we leave when he wants to leave and basically do everything his way. However, he's completely responsible for all the organization for the trip. He has to pack for himself and the kids, entertain the kids, drop us all off at the airport and park the car and so on. I just have to take care of myself. On the other hand, if it's a her trip, I am on the hook for all the organization and grunt work, but we do it completely my way. So I think that's a great suggestion, although I don't know if it's practical for everybody. Right. Right, right. Well, listen, a lot of people were really very sympathetic to your, your, the tension that you had with Adam, um, and sort of your difference in perspective about how to decide when to leave for the airport. Um, and something that many people suggested, and I was curious if you thought this would work for you guys, is to have something to look forward to when you arrive at the airport, like you were going to eat a meal there or have some kind of special dessert or have a, a book that you read for pleasure. They thought that that might make it easier for Adam to be uh, comfortable with the idea of leaving earlier. Uh, do you think that would work? Uh, maybe. I mean, I kind of asked him about that. I said, what if we were going to eat a meal? And, and he was just like, uh, we leave too early to eat a meal. That was his thing, is that we I've booked too many morning flights. So he, it, it's too early to get there for a special meal. So uh, maybe if I book an afternoon flight, maybe that's the key to the whole thing is more afternoon flights. I like morning flights. Mm. Yeah. 
maybe that'd be easier for him, huh? It's 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 an interesting. It turns out that it, this is like a thing that comes up in a lot of couples where you just have different philosophies of when to leave. But one of the things I thought was what was the best thing to keep in mind is to keep a sense of humor because one thing about being a travel beast uh, is you immediately lose all sense of humor. And Deb said that. Uh, when we leave on a trip, my husband starts humming our family travel theme music, the theme from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That always makes me laugh, and I find it hard to be a travel beast and laugh at the same time. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to have a life story conversation with someone. Yes. And, Gretchen, this came from Radical Candor, which is one of the um, podcasts that's part of the Onward Project. Um, and it's it's very cool. Can you explain? Radical Candor is all about how not to hate the boss you have or be the boss you hate. So it's basically about mm-hmm. working in the workplace. It's hosted by Kim and Russ. And in episode five, they had this really interesting conversation where they talked about, like, as a boss, one of the things you do is you have to help the people who work for you kind of achieve their dreams. And to do that, you have to sort of know what they want. So what they were saying is that you should have this this set of career conversations. And so the way they were talking about it, it was three conversations. And these are all about 45 minutes long. The first one was a life story conversation where you ask somebody to explain their life story from kindergarten on. Then two weeks later, you would have a dreams conversation where somebody would tell you what their dreams were, that where they really wanted to go in their life. And then two weeks after that, you would have a follow-up conversation that was a career action plan, which is like, given what's important to you and where you want to go, how can we set up your career in a way that everything unfolds the way you want? And so they talk about this um, in the workplace. And I thought it was fascinating, this idea of the life story. Because I realized how there's so many people in my life where I don't know their life stories at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure I know Adam's full life story, to be honest. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing about Jamie. You know, like, yeah. I'm like okay, because this idea is to start in kindergarten and yeah. go through the present. And I said, well, where did Adam go to kindergarten? <laughs> I mean, I knew, I don't know exactly when he moved to Whittier, where he's from. I don't, you know, yeah. all these things. So I need to do this with Adam. Um, now, he's not someone who loves just talking about himself. So you've got to get past that barrier. Some people, you ha- I think, are going to have to pry it out of him a bit. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because according to Kim and Russ, what you're really listening to is moments of pivot, which is where people Mm. change what they're doing because they said when people change what they're doing, it shows you their values. So like if somebody is saying like, I did this because I wanted to make more money, well, then you're saying, well, financial security is really important to them or or like that moments of change are of particular interest. And so, um, but I agree, some people, the idea that you're just going to sit down and talk for 45 minutes might not be appealing, but maybe calling it like a life story conversation, maybe that would make it feel more like a thing. You know, it's not like, hey, hey, honey, tell me about yourself. It's like we're doing this thing. Yeah, I think you need to prepare someone and not just start asking them questions. (laughs) You know, I think you need to explain what you're doing, because I've had that um, actually where a boss like has done this, you know, kind of ask question after question. At the the time, I just felt uncomfortable because I thought, well, I'm just sitting here talking about myself. This seems very one-sided and like I should be asking him questions. But now looking back, he probably was doing something along these lines. Right. So maybe that's a good point that you need to be candid with a person and transparent about what's going on. 
But I have to say, like, I did this, you know, my agent is Christy Fletcher. And I was thinking, you know, she's one of the most important people in my life. I've known her for years and years and years. And I know bits and pieces, certain things have come up over time, but I don't have the narrative in my head. And so I asked her, I said, would you have a life story conversation with me? And just sort of saying, like, this is an experiment. It just it seems like it would help us understand each other better. I I wish I kind of knew your deal more. And she was up for it. But you're right. It's an intimate thing to do. And so people want to understand, like, is this going to be used against me? Or like, what? why are we doing (laughs) So how was it? Did it was you do it? A, it was amazing. So I went to her office and I said it's going to be 45 minutes from kindergarten on. And she's really game and she knows a lot of, yeah. you know, she represents a lot of like business school people. So this kind of thing probably was familiar to her. But she absolutely went through and it was fascinating and it did help me understand her perspective better. You know, like just understanding her background and like certain decisions and and Kim and Russ were actually absolutely right in that when people explain why they've changed or why they made a certain decision the way they did, it does reveal their values in a way that's really helpful. Because the thing is I think with important relationships, we want to have a feeling of deep connection and a feeling of intimacy, but you need to have knowledge of somebody. And the more you know them and understand them, then the more connected you're going to feel to them. And also the more you're going to be able to take into account their point of view, you know. Yeah. And it's also a thing where when you first meet someone, you get a bunch of this information. But then if you've known them for 10 years, it would seem like, well, I probably already know all that. And you have to realize, oh, yes. wait, I don't actually know it. I was going to do it. um a life story conversation with my friend, Corrine Gretchen, yeah. um, who I've mentioned many times yeah. on this podcast. We um, took our sons to Disneyland together the other day. And I told her, I said, I want to have a life story conversation with you. And she was a little bit like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, with having two seven-year-old boys around, we didn't end up getting our whole hour. But I will say, because I had it in my mind that I wanted to do this, we started having a conversation about something. Um, I was saying how I'd never, I wasn't in a sorority, and therefore I feel like I'm I'm not good at sort of organizing events. Uh And she said, oh, well, I was president of a sorority. And I was like, what? So... I took her back and she explained her whole sort of, she went to Stanford and explained the whole experience of how she ended up in a sorority, what it was like, how she ended up being the president, what she did. So I did really delve into that and felt felt like I knew her better just from hearing that piece of her life story. Right. Well, and it's an interesting thing that you point out, which is that when you... When you first meet somebody, you get kind of an overview, but maybe you don't even remember it well because you don't have any context for it. And then later on, it's almost like people assume or you feel bad admitting, like, I don't even know where you went to college or are your parents both still alive? Like, you feel like, oh, you're so close to me. How do I not know these important details? And so I think having a life story conversation, it kind of can fill in all these gaps. And like with you, show you something totally unexpected that was very important in the life of a friend that just somehow had never come up in conversation because you've got other stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. So the other thing I would say goes without saying, it'd be a great idea for anyone to do this with their parents, you know, because I think that's an area, no doubt, where we all could learn um, a lot about our parents that we don't know and get some amazing memories So I think everyone should definitely do this with their parents, but I'd also love to hear who else they might do it with and what they learn. 
Right. I think you definitely raise an important point, though, initially when you said, like, it's an intimate thing. So I think if you're thinking about doing it at work, I would really say listen to episode five where Kim and Russ put it in the context of how do you do it at work Mm -hmm. so that you don't Mm -hmm. overstep a line or or where people understand, like, this is really because you want to be a better boss to me. Because Mm -hmm. you can imagine where people would feel like, I don't understand why I'm being, or like, or, or also the idea, like, if there's a sensitive area that you don't push, push, push somebody, if there's something that they clearly, like, they're clearly leaving right. out like what happened when my parents got divorced it's like five years skip ahead it's like okay well if you don't want to talk about that this isn't about probing that you know this is just this is about us just getting to know each other better but i'm so glad i did it now i want to do it i like to do it with you elizabeth i mean like just to have the arc you know your version <laughs> yeah. of the arc yeah that would be interesting <laughs> okay the next time we're together we're not gonna... sound excited <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'm dying to hear, like, uh, if people try this, is it really cool and interesting? And who do they do the life story conversation with? And and what unfolds? Let us know. Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or this is episode 104. So you, as always, you can go to happiercast.com. This is slash 104 for any information related to this episode. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. So, Elizabeth, on the travel beast theme and ways that people can fight their travel beast, we got an interesting suggestion from uh, our listener, Mary. Yes, she says, a hack for getting rid of old ratty clothes. I hate throwing things away. So when I have old socks, underwear, or slightly stained tops that I can't donate, but I don't want to just throw in the trash, I stow it in my travel bag so I can wear it a time or two on a trip and then throw it away. Makes it easier when it's time to pack. I worry less about leaving things behind, and I feel less guilt about throwing away something like underwear that has holes in it but is still wearable. So I love this. I love it. And see, I'm an underbuyer, and one of the things about underbuyers is we will continue to wear the the underwear <laughs> that's full of holes or the socks that are full of holes or, like, the T-shirt that is really way past the point of um, social acceptability. And so I like that this is a way for an underbuyer who's having trouble letting go of something. You can you can put it into a system where it, it fulfills its ultimate purpose in a special way, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the great beyond, uh, you know? Yes, and then you have a little more room in your bag on yes. the way home so you can put in souvenirs or whatever. Yeah, no, I think it's a great hack, uh, both for the travel beast and for the problems of underbuyers. So, Mary, thank you for that. Excellent idea. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, uh, time for a happiness stumbling block. And there is a major happiness stumbling block these days. 
Yes, I do. <laughs> the news. Yeah. It's kind of an overwhelming stumbling block that we've heard uh, about. You and I have discussed many times and we've heard about from a lot of our listeners. Yes. Many people have raised it with us as a having a stumbling block and also as a listener question, which is, how do you deal with the emotional toll of the news? Like, how do I manage that in my life? Now, the fact is probably some listeners are sorry that we are bringing this up now because because sometimes it's nice to have a place where you know it's not going to come up and it's a place apart and where you're talking about different things. But it just seems like it's coming up too much. We feel it. Listeners feel it. So we just felt like we had to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't want to hear about the happiness stumbling block <laughs> of political news, you can fast forward now. But for everybody else, let's dive in. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on, how do you manage that? And I think one way to manage it is to manage your intake of the news, what's going on. Mm. Now, some people, their impulse may be like, I just don't want to hear it at all. But I think it's an important civic duty to be abreast of what's happening in the world. You want to be an informed person, but maybe you want to say, I'm going to take in the news once a day or twice a day. Mm or three mm -hmm. times a day, or whatever is right for you, but just not every free minute, or you're not just checking it like, oh, I'm standing in line at the grocery store now, I'm standing in line at the drugstore, now I'm like stalled in traffic. Because then it's just it's just coming at you all the time instead of in managed doses when you're sort of like, now I'm going to learn about what's going on. Yeah, and another thing you mentioned to me, Gretchen, which I think is a good idea, is not to read about the same thing over and over. So it's like once you know that something is happening you know, you don't need to just keep reading that same thing over and over. And it, it sort of just gets you worked up more and more. Right. And I think to that point, too, one thing that I think is very helpful for me is to take in information through words. Because mm -hmm. if you're watching something like on TV or even listening to it on the radio, it's not as information dense and it's more emotional. But if you're reading a thorough news report of it, it's more information dense. Facts tend to be put in context. There's fact checking. And so you're learning a lot. And like you say, you're not going over and over and over the same thing once you've learned it. So you're fully informed, but in this limited information dense way. But let's say, Gretch, that, you know, even if you're managing your news intake and doing all this, you're still upset. The best thing you can do is take action. I mean, that, that's really the most effective way to, to manage. Great example of this, I think, is my writing partner, Sarah. She was really steeped in, um, you know, ruminating over what was happening, not being able to sleep at night, um, you know, stomach aches, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so rumination is when you're thinking about something and you're just sort of going in circles. Like you keep thinking about it and it's it's upsetting you and your thoughts are just like circling and circling and there seems to be no way out. Um, so how do you get yourself out of that trap of rumination? Yeah. So what Sarah decided to do is she doesn't like what's going on. So she decided to start a Facebook group called Our First Hundred Days. And she picks every day for 100 days, she picks an organization that she believes in and asks everyone in the group to give $10. Mm. Now, obviously, you can give $1 or you can give some of the days. But the point is, it makes her feel like she's doing something. And I know it's helped to people in the group, too. 
And by the way, if anyone wants to be a part of this group, you can search uh, our first 100 days on Facebook and Sarah will add you to our group. Yeah, because one of the things that the research shows about rumination is like what makes you feel better is when you're taking action to somehow put your values into action and to and to fix the situation. That's a positive thing. And I think for a lot of people, they feel like if they can take their feelings and make something positive come out of it, that is going to be comforting to them because they're like, well, if I don't like what's happening, I have to do my part. And that makes you feel better about during a tough time. And Gretchen, you and I both went to the Women's March in D.C., and I know we found uh, great solace in that, and um, we're really happy that we had gone and participated in that. Yes. Now, this issue raises a larger question about happiness that I think also is troubling people in this context, but it, it comes up in a lot of different contexts, which is the question of whether it's selfish to want mm-hmm. to be happier when there is so much injustice and suffering in the world. You know, there's a feeling like, is that wrong? Is it self-centered? Or is it escapism if I'm just worrying about my own happiness when all this stuff is going on? But this is what's interesting that the research shows. Happier people are actually more interested in the problems of the world, and they're more interested in the problems of the people around them. They volunteer more time. They give away more money. They're more likely to help out if somebody around them needs a hand. They make better leaders and better followers. Because what happens is that when we're unhappy, it's very easy to become isolated and defensive and just, you know, preoccupied with our own problems. You know, if you're Mm. uh, stressed out and exhausted and overwhelmed, it's hard to think about taking action. It's hard to think about asking more of yourself because you just feel so just like you're overwhelmed just by managing yourself. And so I think that actually it isn't wrong and it's not escapist and it's not um, self-indulgent to think about how to be as happy as you can be under the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help the world if you start smoking again or yeah. stay up watching news till 2 a.m. or eat your feelings. That doesn't do anybody good. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, and we've talked about this before, which is Try to be as happy as you can be under the circumstances. If there's something that is truly upsetting or making you happy or whatever, it's not that you have to deny that or ignore that or not have that be part of what you're experiencing. But are you getting enough sleep? Are you not letting yourself get too hungry? Are you allowing yourself to take breaks? Like, I'm not I'm going to give myself a mental respite from something that's really bothering me, because when you're managing a tough situation, letting yourself take a break, it recharges you. It helps you keep going if you allow yourself a respite. And of course, connecting with people you love is always a great way to take a break. Yes. And recharge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See some friends, connect with people. Yeah. So, Grudge, this is something a lot of people are grappling with. I hope, you know, these tips help. I would love to hear from people um, about what they're doing to uh, cope with this happiness stumbling block. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And I believe your demerit is a repeat demerit and also a demerit that is very uh, connected to the conversation we were just having having about happiness stumbling block. Yes, Gretchen. Um, uh, people who listen to this podcast might remember <laughs> that I've had an issue in the past with Candy Crush. Yes. Um, the game that I play on my phone and that I felt it was a um, impacting my career because yes. I was spending so much time playing Candy Crush. <laughs> and I deleted Candy Crush 
And I, you know, it was a soul destroying app that I deleted and yeah. didn't play at all. And then, um, I just got really stressed out. Um, and I, I kept this from you and many times you've <laughs> given me a gold star. You said, well, you deleted Candy Crush. That's great. You did it. And I was actually, I've been playing Candy Crush obsessively. Um, the last, uh, couple of months started, um, in early November, I just went in my room and downloaded Candy Crush and started <laughs> oh. playing because I wanted to uh, block out the news as we were discussing oh. um, in our just discussing in our happiness stumbling block. And um, once again, it's, it got out of control and I was playing all the time. But I have to tell you, I was telling Adam and Jack that I was um, giving myself this demerit. And Jack, right on the spot, was like, I have to delete it, Mom. Let me delete it. But wait, didn't didn't he delete it once before? This is the yes. second time so he, he's interviewed. The second time. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not ready yet. And he said, if you let me delete it right now, I'll give you the best hug and kiss you oh. ever had. Oh. And I said, well, what about tomorrow? He goes, this is a one-day offer. <laughs> So I said, okay, and he deleted it. And I did get the most amazing hug and kiss from him. Oh. So. Although I'm giving myself a demerit, I have to tell you, it is deleted again. Yeah. And I am not going to put it back. Good. I'm just going to deal with, you know, my feelings. Yeah. As opposed to hiding in Candy Crush. Well, I think if it's to the point that your seven-year-old has twice to try to, like, rip it from your, your, your cramped, sweaty hands, it's like, yes. it's a sign. <laughs> yes. But what is it that so. you get from it? Is it? Is it just the utter mental respite? Is it, I mean, why, why does it keep attracting you like maybe there needs to be something else that's a more positive um replacement like what's it doing for you yeah i i think it it's like a head in the sand kind of thing um but you know what i'm replacing it with is actually reading mm. books yeah. instead that's good. so i had a, a big huge book about the history of saturday night live that i had been wanting to start for weeks if not months and so now that Jack deleted Candy Crush, I've started it. So um, I'm going to replace it with reading. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Well, it's a demerit turned into a gold star. It's a, it's a story of triumph <laughs> and, and <laughs> comeback story. Yes. So, Gretch, what's your gold star? I want to give a gold star to the New York City subway system. How mm -hmm. I love public transportation. You know, you and I hate to drive, Elizabeth. And unfortunately, yes. you're in Los Angeles and you have to drive constantly. I don't have to drive, um, which, in fact, I don't drive enough, and that's a whole other thing where I try to force myself to drive when I can because uh, I do I do not drive enough, and I can get kind of out of practice, and that makes me more scared to drive. But I do love the subway, and we recently have new subway stops on our queue line. There are three new stops, which are right in my neighborhood, which is amazing. And the other mm -hmm. day, I, like, got on the queue at 86, like, this gorgeous, pristine subway station where you basically could do mm. surgery because it is so clean <laughs> and took it all the way to Gowanus, read a novel the whole way because I didn't have to drive and I didn't have to look at anything. I love it. So I love public transportation and I love the queue line and I love the New York City subway station. We'll have to take it next time I'm in town. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Have a life story conversation. Let us know if you tried it, if it worked for you, who you talked to. Um, we're dying to hear about it. 
Plus, it is hard to believe, but we are coming up on our second anniversary of the show. Amazing. I can't believe it. It's it's so awesome. Um, to celebrate, we're going to do what we did for our first anniversary show, which is to have an episode of highlights from the previous year. So if you have a favorite, try this at home, a great before and after story of something you tried, a favorite funny moment, uh, let us know. You can email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or leave us a voicemail message at 77-HAPPY-336. And Elizabeth, has it not been tons of fun to see what people are proposing? It really is like uh, like this happy montage of my favorite moments from the past year. Yes, yes I still haven't picked mine, but, I, but I'm going to. And I, I'm I know what mine is. <laughs> I know what yours is, too. Yeah. Well, thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Can't wait to hear what her favorite moment was. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please remember to tell a friend. That really, really helps us. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Now, if you'd like to get an email every time we have a new episode of the show, you can get it by going to happiercast.com slash join. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. <laughs>